0: Well, this morning, I want to change gears here and I want to take you to a place that will probably make you very uncomfortable. I want you to picture yourself on your deathbed. Now you're fortunate, you have all your faculties and are not in a great deal of pain. But you realize that death is just around the corner and your family has gathered at your bedside. Rather than have them pray for you, however, you want to pray for them. Your future is secure. You're concerned about theirs. So what do you pray? Well, Jesus faced a similar situation in the hours before his death. The apostles were his family. They had lived together for three years. He had poured himself into them. He had sought to make his mission in life their mission, and now he was preparing to leave. He'd spent the past several hours giving last-minute instructions to the apostles, and now he turns his eyes to heaven and starts praying. He prayed first for himself, that he would accomplish all that he had come to do, and then his focus turned to the apostles. Before praying for them, however, he prayed about them. We pick up the text in John 17, starting with verse 6. I manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have come to know that everything thou hast given me is from thee. For the words which thou gavest me... I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. Jesus had accomplished with these men what he had hoped to accomplish. He took the men God gave him and revealed God to them when he said, I manifested thy name to them, he's indicating that he had revealed to them the character of God. You know, in the ancient world, knowing a man's name was far more than simply friending him on Facebook. It was knowing his nature and his character. And Jesus had indeed revealed to mankind the character of God by taking on flesh. He had allowed men to actually see God. So the ones who had come to know God best were those most closely associated with Jesus, His apostles. And not only had He manifested the character of God to them, He had taught them God's Word. What God told Him, He told them, and they had received the Word. They understood that when Jesus spoke, they were hearing the voice of God. So they accepted His teachings as the very word of God. They had no doubt that he had been sent from God. Jesus had succeeded. He had taken the men given to him, shown them what God was like, taught them God's word, and brought them to a place of faith in God's Son. What more could we hope to accomplish before our departure with those given to us? Jesus was now ready to make four specific requests on behalf of his apostles. And he began by asking God to keep them united. He said, I... I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to them, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou hast given me, and I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. At this point in his prayer, Jesus is praying for the apostles, not for the world. Later, he will pray for the world. But for now, the focus is on his apostles, those specifically given to him by his father to pour himself into. They were gods to begin with, and they were still God's men, but they now were even more completely God's men because they also belonged to God's son. And they had brought glory to him by their faithfulness, they had been good disciples. They were far from perfect. At times, they were downright frustrating, but they had remained faithful to Christ and stayed with him. It was now time, however, for Jesus to leave. And his prayer is that his father would keep them together just as he had done when he was with them in the flesh. You know, Jesus had obviously been their rallying point. He was their reason for being together. He had given them their identity. They had been unified as the apostles of Christ, and he wanted them to remain together as apostles of Christ. He wanted them to continue to bear his name after he was gone. So he prayed that God would guard them, hold them together, and that together they would continue bringing glory to His name. The only one who had not remained faithful was the son of perdition, the son of destruction. It had been prophesied that one would betray Him, and Judas fulfilled that prophecy. The rest had remained faithful, and it was His prayer that even in His absence, God would keep them united in His name. You know, it was kind of like a father praying that after his death, his children uphold the family name, that they might never forget who they are and in whose family they belong. That's what Jesus wanted. Of his apostles. He wanted them to be a family, to be united, to be one in purpose. And he still wants that for those who bear his name. So he asks the Father to, to give them joy. He continues, But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You know, Jesus knew that his apostles would be hated by the world. He had given them God's word and he knew what the world would do to those who obeyed God's word. He had obeyed God's word and was about to be crucified, and he knew a world in rebellion against God would hate any who would be faithful to God's Word. We've recently seen examples of that in our society. They were going to be hated. Life wasn't going to be easy for them in the world because they weren't of the world, but they could know His joy. They could know the same joy that Jesus knew just hours from the cross. They could know the joy of being in harmony with the will of God. They could know the joy of fulfilling their purpose in life. They could know the joy of a guaranteed victory. They could have a joy that wasn't dependent on the world, a joy that transcends immediate circumstances. They could have a joy made full within themselves because they knew God's Word and they knew what the future held for them. They could know the joy of the Lord no matter what happened to them in the world. And isn't that our prayer for our children? We can't guarantee them an easy, happy life without problems or heartaches, as much as we might want to, but we can offer them the joy of the Lord. The joy that sustains us in life will sustain them if we share it with them and prepare them for the heartaches that will come. No, we can't. Stop the heartaches our kids will face, but we can pray for God to protect them from evil. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You know, we cannot avoid evil in this life. We live in a world that has been marred by sin, and while evil is contained within limits set by God, Satan is currently having his day, and it is the personification of evil that Jesus is referring to here, Satan, the destroyer, the God of this world. Satan causes Havoc in the world, and everyone is affected by his activity—the guilty and the innocent alike. We cannot avoid him. We cannot avoid Satan in this life. Jesus couldn't; he too had to be tested in all points, like as we, and he faced Satan personally in the wilderness. No, we can't. We can't avoid him, but we can be protected from him like the disciples we can be protected from the evil one now he can cause us sorrow and pain and loss but he cannot destroy us not if we belong to Christ not if we have the spirit of God within us john made that very clear when he wrote greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If we are indwelt by the Spirit of God and are submissive to His leading, Satan cannot take us captive. He may deceive us on occasion and he may win an occasional conflict, but our salvation is secure. Even if Satan should kill us, he cannot destroy us because the battle has been won, and Jesus is the victor. You know, Satan might have been foolish enough to celebrate at the death of Jesus, but Jesus knew he wasn't going to stay in the grave. He knew he had won, and he could therefore pray, keep them from the evil one. He knew Satan would go around like a roaring lion, seeking those he could devour. But he also knew Satan could not devour those protected by God. We can pray that protection for our children as well. They can be kept out of Satan's reach. And they will be. If the Spirit of God indwells their hearts, if they have been brought up with a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if they know the truth and have been sanctified by it. And that's the last thing Jesus here requested for His apostles, that God would sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. To sanctify is to set apart to consecrate, to dedicate. Jesus' prayer for the apostles was that they be sanctified in the truth, that they be set apart for lives committed to the truth. And What is truth? That's a question that Pilate asked and one that has been asked down through the ages. Today in our postmodern world. Many deny that there even is such a thing as truth, but most still long for it. In a world searching for answers, many wish they knew the truth, but what again is the truth? The clearest answer ever given is given here, thy word is truth. Jesus wanted his apostles set apart for a life of proclaiming the truth. And just as his father had sent him into the world with absolute truth, so he was sending his apostles into the world with the truth. And he was making them fit vessels for the truth by sanctifying himself to the will of God by going to the cross to provide cleansing for their sin. For only in being freed from the stain of sin could the apostles be vessels of untainted, absolute truth. Through His sanctification, we too can be sanctified, set apart as holy vessels fit for the Spirit of God. We can be made fit to proclaim the truth in a world filled with lies. What a privilege it is to bear truth in the world that has been deceived by sin. That was the task given to the apostles, and that is our task as well. There is no higher purpose in life, and there is no greater purpose to leave to our children It is our privilege and our responsibility to take the truth to a world deceived by the father of lies. As we noted last week, we become an answer to Jesus' prayer by bringing Him glory. And today we learned how to do it. We bring glory to the Father and the Son by going out into the world united with joy, secure in our salvation, speaking the truth. Jesus marched triumphantly into Jerusalem a week before the crucifixion. So we, can march triumphantly into the world. As a Father sent Him, so we have been sent to triumph over darkness, to bear His name, to declare the truth, and to share the joy of living daily in His presence. And we do it all in the hope and confidence of one day hearing, well done, good and faithful servant.